Thanks very much. Happy Christmas. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to just move away from Christmas for a moment. I'm going to begin by talking about, well, asking a question. Has anyone ha- ever had a nickname? Yeah? I'm the kind of guy that nicknames tend to stick. I'm the kind of person, you know, I guess Ben is an easy, easily adaptable name. You've got sort of Benji, you've got Benny, you've got Benny Boy, you've got Benjamin, you've got Benji Boy. So throughout my life, I've been given those sort of nicknames. My sisters gave me the worst nickname, and it's still, they still call it me every now and then. It's Chin Lifter. Because I'll, I have to demonstrate this. Let's say um, they have offended me, or let's say my sisters have hurt me in some way. I'd go turn to mom and go, Mom, look what they did, Mom. So I don't know how I got the name Chin Lifter, but it's still 30 years of age. I'm still known in some parts of the world as Chin Lifter. <laughs> Growing up, um, I played football, and I've always been quite lanky. Um, when I was younger, I was even lankier. I was even thinner. I was even more spindly. So my football team, they would, they would call me Spider. I don't know if it was the hairy legs, the long, thin, hairy legs, but I would be nicknamed Spider. Um, moving through my life, and there was a period of time, um, I had the nickname, and this stuck. And some people in, the, in, in this world right now would call me this name if they walked through the door, if I walked in their presence. The name is The Crew. So I am the crew. So it's not Ben and his crew. I am the crew. I don't know how, well, it was a very boring, I'm not even going to bore you with the story, but that's how I got that name, and it sticks. People still call me today the crew. Uh, The name Ben rhymes with many other names. I don't know if anyone likes football, but you may remember England had a manager called Sven Goran Eriksson. There are still some people today who call me Sven. And I'm not even joking, they still call me Sven. There was a period of time in this church where I had the name Ben Rocks. People called me that. They wouldn't even use my own name. They would call me Ben Rocks, and that's still a few people. So nicknames for me stick. They just stick. Um, we're talking today about Mighty God. We're talking about King Jesus. And just actually, the, the, the process of giving names, um, not necessarily nicknames, but giving names, I think in, in sort of... King, what's the word I'm looking for? Regal terms. We're looking at kings are given styles or throne names. Back to ancient kings like Tutankhamun and all these sort of kings in ancient times, they had names that weren't just their name. Let me read a few, some, some interesting ones. You'll probably know Richard the Lionheart, Richard I of King of England. Um, you may not know, uh, Charles II of France was called the Bald Alfonso IV of Portugal was called the Brave. Um, my favorite, Avilo of, of Bulgaria was called the Cabbage. Uh, you, you'll know of William the Conqueror. There's another one. Uh, but do you know of Otto of Bavaria, Otto the Crazy? I'd quite like to meet that king. Um, do, have you ever heard of Louis V, Do Nothing, or The Sluggard? Um, Henry I of Cyprus was apparently called the Fat. Um, I like this one. Frederick I of Austria was called the Handsome. And a couple more. Uh, Ivan IV of Russia, the Terrible. And Wilhelm of Germany, the Stupid. (laughs) So kings um, 
have this habit, well, not this habit, but king, we, we nickname kings. We give them throne names. We give them additional names. We give them what I believe was called styles. Um, I'm going to introduce another king um, just by way of introducing my scripture. I'm going to read today from the authorized King James version of the Bible. And if you're wondering, King James, I don't believe he was the best king, but he was the one that commissioned the Bible. I think he was called Defender of the Faith. Um, so King James the first defender of the faith. But anyway, we're going to read a passage of scripture which we've, we've sung about, Sarah shared last week, last week um, and we're going to read it in the authorized King James version, if you don't mind. You'll be pleased to know it doesn't really add too much, diff, too many difficult words. But if, um, I don't know, Mark, if you've got the scriptures, because we didn't actually talk this one through, did we? But if not, fantastic. We got the, I know we got this one. Brilliant. So this is simple. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. We're going to pause just there before we even get on to my passage, before we even reference Sarah's message last week. Um, talking about kings, this phrase, a son is given, sort of dates back to King David when he was commissioned, when he was, um, oh, what's the word, beginning with C, when the king becomes a king, crowned. Coronated. There we go. Thank you. This is audience participating. During his coronation, um, a son is given. So we're talking here. We're not just talking about a child this morning. We are talking about a king being given to us. So we're talking about a king. So this king, just like in throughout history, this king has a few throne names, which let's move on, shall we? These describe the character of the king, his a king. So if we move on, Mark, to the, ne- to the next slide, which gives us a fuller account of Isaiah 6, which says, For unto us, unto us a child is born, unto us a son, a king is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, or Wonderful Counselor, if you were there last week for Sarah's message, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What a scripture. This son, this king will surpass any other throne name, any other king, any other title that was given to these kings. You know, the brave. Were they really brave? The the conqueror. I know they may have conquered things, but really these throne names are given to Jesus and he lived them out. And he, 700 years later, imagine saying something 700 years. So imagine saying something today that only happens 700 years Later, approximately, I don't know the exact dates, but Isaiah was speaking this and saying this 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Imagine if you said something today that would last and it would, it, its legacy would go on 700 years before it even started. This is a powerful statement, a powerful. And Sarah talked last week about one of these throne names, Wonderful Counselor. And I always thought Wonderful Counselor was more to do with like a psychology counselor, sofa sort of... Jesus counsels us. And actually what Sarah unpacked last week is the, is the wisdom of God. He's an advi- Jesus is our advisor. He's an advisor to noblemen and kings. He gives us wisdom and he is wisdom personified. Wonderful counselor. But today we're talking about the mighty. The reason I've done it in the King James Version, also for James I, because it says the mighty God. I like that. We're talking today about mighty God, but we're also talking about the mighty God. So if you look at what that word mighty means, it means strong, it means powerful, it means warrior. It talks about in the Bible about mighty men of valor. It's the same word for mighty as the mighty men of valor. These soldiers, these warriors, these strong men of valor. 
champions, giants, chief, mighty God. You may have heard the, the name given to God, El Shaddai. It goes back to, to um, Genesis. God all mighty. He has all the might there is going. God, there is no one mightier. There is no one who comes close to God's mightiness because he is El Shaddai. He is all mighty. All the might that you could ever cluster together in one bag, in one place, is in God. He is mightier than anyone else. End of preach. Thank you. <laughs> just think, just to, just to reveal, a few, just to go through, I'm not going to go through the whole Bible, but just pick a few out. If you're not sure that God is mighty, what about creation? Let's start right at the beginning. Whether or not you believe in creation as it was in the Bible, I'm not even going to address that. I love planet Earth. I don't know if anyone watches that show, David Attenborough. Um, I don't know, he, is, he doesn't see God in this creation when he, when he annotates and when he narrates this show. and These amazing um, animals that you see all over the world that there must have been a designer a mighty God creating, orchestrating, planning this all together. What about Noah and the floods? That event never happened again. That kind of magnitude of an event. Um, what about um, Joshua uh, and the walls of Jericho coming down? Amazing events. What about Gideon? When he had an army, his army was reduced down to 300 men to face the cruelest, the, the, the most oppressive army around, the Midianites, and the 300 godly men led by Gideon defeat because they had mighty God beside them. What about Moses escaping slavery? The whole nation of Israel, Pharaoh thought he was mighty God. He would have even said that. He is mighty God. But no, 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 no. Over a period of time, he had the last laugh. Well, he didn't actually. He ended up drowning. But God's showed his might. God cannot be stopped. This is the kind of, I'm trying to paint a picture in case you're unsure of who God, mighty God is. He's a God who cannot be stopped. He can do the impossible. His name and his power is greater and far above any other name, any other politician, any other king, any other health condition, any other disease, any other diagnosis, any other mental health condition. He is above all names. He is above all politicians. He is even above Donald Trump. <laughs> Way above. His power and his name are above all other. He's up, he's, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures from the New Testament. I don't know if Mark's got these. I think we have, haven't we? Yeah. Um, we're going to read from Romans 8. 38, and I am convinced that nothing, we even sang about this this morning, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers, the might of hell can separate us from God's love. If we're talking about power, we're talking about some power here. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son, a mighty God, is given. His name is above all other powers, 
principalities. His name is above all other kings, all other thrones, all other names ever before and ever will be. He is even more powerful than the one thing that no person in this room, no person who has ever lived can overcome. We were all dead in our sin. And the next scripture mark, which comes again from Romans, this time Romans 6, proves that mighty God can overcome two things that we cannot overcome ourselves, despite power, despite wealth and resource. This says this in verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death, has no longer, death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once <laughs> to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So not only can Jesus overcome death and sin, He also has the power to give you the power. He has spare power to give you the power to do the same thing where you can overcome your sin, overcome your bad habits, overcome the things that hold you, and you can overcome death. So Christmas isn't a little timid little story about a baby Jesus in a manger. Christmas is about the coming of a king who is mighty God, who sin and death cannot hold. So as Christians, we should be at Christmas time the most rejoiceful. We should be the most faithful. We should be the most committed, the most excited about Christmas. Because it's our time to celebrate mighty God. So three things that we should do in response to a mighty God. There's perhaps more. There's many more. But um, oh, actually, I guess there's six, but there's three points. They come in pairs, and they all begin with R. Some of them are a bit religious words. Some of them are, yeah, a little bit religious. So I'm going to try and unpack what they actually mean as well. So the first point to help you understand what I'm trying to say is how should we respond to the mighty God this Christmas? First one is reverence and respect. In our world today, you may have conversations at work, with people who aren't Christians. You may have conversations with family members who don't know Jesus. In our world today, it is becoming increasingly difficult to revere God. It's becoming increasingly difficult to show God respect. Just look at the school system. We're trying to remove Jesus out of RE lessons. We're trying to remove RE. We're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. My biggest pet hate, other than people littering outside, that's my biggest pet hate. Never litter. (laughs) But anyway, second biggest pet is when people write Xmas. <laughs> now, if you do it for shorthand, what I've, a little top tip, what I now do is I draw a cross. If I want to write shorthand, rather than doing an X, I do a little cross, like a crucifix mass. Just, just you know, if you want to write quick, I understand that. But people that deliberately, even you can get now cards that say Xmas as the name is printed. I don't like it. It's becoming more difficult to revere God. The people make jokes. Sometimes we ask ourselves the question, where is God in Christmas? So the first thing, so reverence is a word that you might associate with sort of just bowing. Oh, come, let us adore him. And I do this because it's it's well and good doing it in church, and it's great having the songs, and the band did great, and the music, and the lights, and all that. 
But as a, as a way of reverencing God this Christmas, why don't we just at home when there's no one around, just humble ourselves and lower ourselves in the kitchen or wherever there's comfier carpet. For us, it's probably the bedroom, maybe the lounge, but, or even outside in the concrete, whatever you want to do, but just humble yourself before God. Reverence, respect. Stop. I've slowed down a little bit just so we can emphasize this Christmas. Why don't you just stop? It can be so busy. And I've not got children and, and, and I'm not a mother and I'm not somebody that has your responsibilities or your issues. But surely over the 25 days of Christmas, so I know it's more like 50 days of Christmas now. But surely we could just spend one or two moments where we just, whether it be on our knees, whether sometimes I just lie on the floor because I've got no lower position. And sometimes I just, I collapse in a heap because that's how I feel. And actually what God can do to you through that process is far more perhaps than he can do to you when you're in a worship setting corporately. I'm sure he can do it there as well. But sometimes we just need to humble ourselves, reflect on how significant and powerful Jesus is. Jesus is. There's no razzmatazz about this. Mighty God, what should we do? We should revere. We should, we should humble ourselves. John the Baptist, um, I must decrease, decrease so he can increase. So that's one sort of practical way you can reverence or respect God. It's a simple stop, pause, think, worship, and wonder. Is it that motorcycle bike? Right, yeah, it's the, uh, the drive past, isn't it? In case you're wondering what that rumbling sound is, it's not earthquake, it's not the, the end times. It is a uh, motorcycle rally where thousands of motorbikes, Harley-Davidson's and, and the, the what, drive past. So that's what's happening right now as breaking our silent moments. But anyway, even, even in those distracting moments, you can revere God. Second thing we could do, I've always met, already sort of mentioned it. As, as Christians, we can ensure that Jesus is central to Christmas. This is a practical way you can revere God. You can ensure that Jesus is central to your Christmas. Doesn't matter what the rest of the world are doing. He's central to your Christmas. Get this. Let's put the scripture back up again, Mark, from Isaiah, just to show you. It says, for unto us a child is born. Have you ever just stopped to think about this? We are worshipping a child. We are, we are recognizing the birth of a child. The wise men, the shepherds, visited a baby and they bowed. They gave gifts. They haven't got the, hit, the, the centuries of scripture and time that we now have to look back. They were there in the moments. They were there before Jesus went to the cross, before he was savior, before he was who he said he was. They went to a baby. It's, it's like the equivalent of sort of saying... Um, you know, mighty God is a, is a child. It's sort of like the equivalent of saying, uh, fastest car in the world. Throne name, Robin Reliant. Or it's like saying, um, this football team, champions of Europe, Galacticos, Port Vale. Imagine saying that. <laughs> you know, it, it's like all the the magnitude and the magnificence of the name, and it's given to a baby. It's given to a child. What a... 
what a, what, what a thought. But yet he is the mighty God. He is mighty God. There is no one like him. He has no equal. And the shepherds got it. And they didn't even need to see Jesus on the cross. They didn't even need to, need to see hundreds of year, years of scripture and, ch- and church history. They just needed to see the baby and the promise. And they worshipped and they gave gifts. Um, what can you do to make Jesus central? Well, one thing, one practical thing. If you're on social media, you can share all the good news that goes out on the Breathe City Church Facebook page. Jess does a great job. Um, I, I, a personal testimony of doing that, I do that. And I, I think about when I'm going to share it. Because I think about when am I next going to see somebody who's, who's probably going to have seen that message that I've shared. And it happens normally with a couple of colleagues at work. They, they don't go to church. They don't care more, much for God. But if I share about Phil the Sleigh, if I share about the, the carol service, if I, last year we, what did we do? We gave out, um, no, it was Easter. We gave out Easter eggs to all the kids. I shared that. And the conversation at work the next day was just brilliant. Conversations I wouldn't have dreamed of. There's a practical thing that you can do to put Christ central is simply share. Um, and then secondly, this is, this is a challenge. Becky said that I live out the message. This for me is the challenge. This Next part of how to revere God. I'm, I'm emphasizing the reverence, and I'm going to go up two more points. Um, the reverence to God. What can you do? Glorify God and not your problems. I'm the kind of person, that I walk into the house, if it's, if it's messy, the world is ending. I'm the kind of person that if it's washing up, the world is over. If I've got two things to think about, one of them's brushing my teeth, one of them's tying my shoelaces in the morning, I am stressed. <laughs> And I've got this habit, and Steffi keeps challenging me on it. I keep glorifying and exaggerating my problems. Oh, it's the worst day of my life. Oh, this is the biggest issue that I've ever faced. Oh, no, this is the hardest day. I've had no sleep. I've only had five minutes sleep. Oh, I've got the biggest essay, and I've only got two minutes to finish it. My life is so hard. And if I could just turn it around and glorify God, that would be a way of revering God. I've got um, a couple of images for you on screen. It's from Google um, Earth. Um, so, Mark, if you could get this, this um, animation rolling for me. So, you could be in a situation where your world is so confusing. You're like, where am I? Everything's so, my problems are so big and it's so unclear. The, the image is so blurred. I don't know where I'm going in life. I feel so isolated and so insecure. And actually, there's so many boulders. My problems are so big and so expansive. What do I do? This is so horrendous. If we can just revere God... Just stop for a minute, pause, reflect, worship, wonder, and he gives you a different perspective. You may be wondering where that was. That was the field out the back. This is Google Earth in action. Here we are. Here's church. You can be in a position where you need God to give you a different perspective. That's what reverence is. When you humble yourself in reverence, he can lift you up, give you eyes to see your situation as a bigger perspective. And suddenly, the issue that you had, one of these trees in this mass of trees here, looks tiny in comparison to where God has brought you to. But if we could roll the second um, animation mark, you may recognize this next one a lot closer. Here we are, Google Earth is taking us to the car park. Now, you may notice your car, but often in life, you can get to the point where life is full of its detail. You can see things specifically. You might, I mean, they, they do look a bit odd, these cars. <laughs> Some of them look crushed. But anyway, 
you can make out the detail of where we currently are. Your life can sometimes be, you can be so consumed with the detail, so consumed with the business, so consumed with the, the specific detail. But look what God can do. Look how big God is. Look, look where he can take you. Look at the size and the magnitude of this mighty God. He's not just bigger than this country. He's not just bigger than this county. He is bigger than the whole entire world that we live in. And it's spinning on his little finger. And in fact, he's bigger than the universe. But just because Google Earth only goes that far, you can, do, you can go to the moon and Mars on Google Earth now, if you ever wondered. But anyway, perspective. And often it starts with reverence and respect. Okay. Second thing that we can do, two more R's for you. In response to a mighty God is repent and reform. Again, a couple more religious words. Let me just try and help you if you're unsure what I mean by repent. Repent means that one day I was walking in this direction I'm going my own way, living my own life, doing my own thing, having my own cares, having my own ambitions, spending my money how I want to spend my money. And God comes into my life. Repentance just means turning the opposite direction and saying, okay, God, we're going this way, are we? We're going to walk this way. And sometimes in response to a mighty God, and you, you may have done this many years ago, but you can do it on a daily basis. It's simply repent, it's turn around, it's reform, it's change your ways. If God is all powerful, then surely if I align myself with that God, my addictions, my bad habits, my relationships that are bad and unhealthy, he can help me with those. He can help me break the power of sin and death over my own life. Surely the mighty God can do something in me so that I can repent, I can reform, I can change. Surely a mighty God can help me break my bad habits this Christmas. Surely if there is a mighty God, and I'm here today to say there is, surely part of us wants to change. I want to wake up the next morning, tomorrow, and think, okay, God, I'm not a perfect Ben. The crew isn't perfect. But God, this day, will you make me that little bit more perfect? Would you mold and shape me, change me, God, from the inside out? And he can do the same for you. I was 14 years of age in a church a little bit like this, hearing a message probably not as bad as this. It was not as good. I don't know. But anyway, I listened to a message, having listened to hundreds of messages previously. And one day I just made that decision. Jesus, okay, if you're real, I'm going to reform. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do my best to follow you. And there might be people in this room. The reason I've got rich up now, I've got one more thing to say after this. But I want to take a moment this Christmas, if you're in this room and you haven't responded to the mighty God. If you haven't made a decision when one day you were walking this way and doing your own thing and living your own life, and here is a junction right now. If you've not had one of these junctions, it's happening now. You can carry on. And I'm not going to stop anyone from carrying on. Or you can stop reverence. And allow Jesus to take you 
another way. So we're going to do one simple thing, and then I've got one more point to say, and it's a quick point. Mighty God. But I'm going to ask uh, that everyone just bows their head. Going against convention a little bit. I'm, I'm praying before I finished, but I hope you don't mind. Because we're talking about repentance. And what better opportunity for somebody in the room to choose mighty God over unmighty self. And as eyes are closed and you're reflecting and you're hearing my voice, I'm going to pray. But before I pray, I want to know who I'm praying for specifically. Now, there could be two types of people in this room. There could be somebody who has never yet made a decision to be a Christian, and that could be you. And I'm going to joyfully pray for you. But you could also be in the room thinking, well, I've actually gone off the beaten track. Google Earth can't even find me. I'm on Mars somewhere right now. I cannot even necessarily identify my location because that decision I made when I did seems so far away. Jesus seems so far away. Mighty God isn't in my life until now. So I know you've been silently praying with your eyes closed for a while, but if there's anyone, before I go on and pray, is there anyone that wants me to pray that prayer for them? And it's going to be a really short, simple prayer, and someone on the welcome team will pray and, and give you something at the end so that we, they can carry that conversation on. But just as a time out in my message, if that applies to you, you feel right now you need to repent, turn around. We'll work out whether or not it's your first decision or your tenth decision or your thousandth decision later on. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand and just say, Ben, would you pray for me right now? Just stop preaching, Ben, and pray. If, is there anyone that just wants to lift their hand and say, okay, I want to follow you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? A couple of hands. Is there anyone else that just wants to say, I've gone off the beaten track. God, bring me back. Lord, we thank you for those hands. We thank you for those individuals. We thank you for this church. We thank you, God, that you are mighty. You are amazing. You are, there is no name that can even com compare. There is no close second place. God, you are above all things, and you're above all names. And God, for those people that have made a decision just to change, to turn, to repent, Lord, I pray that you would help them. Make that a lasting change within them. God, would they turn around from their own way? God, you help them through Jesus' death on the cross, defeat the power of sin and death, and I pray the same would happen in them, that they would rise again. God, that we would all have faith in a mighty God. In your name, amen. Okay, one final thing to say. I've got five minutes, which is perfect. The third thing that we can do, all do, in response to a mighty to the mighty God. Two R's. Refuge and rejoice. Or perhaps to be better English, it should take, take refuge, but it would be a T and it would ruin my alliteration. But 
refuge. I'm one of these people, I absolutely love hotels. Steph will vouch for you. I love going to a hotel. Just, uh, you know, I'll go and I'll, I'll have all the coffee, all the tea. I'll, have every, I'll use the trouser press. I'll use all the running water. I'll take all the conditioner, all the shampoos home. I absolutely, if it's got a swimming pool, hotel is my ideal place of refuge. Just take me there, heaven. I've made it. There was an occasion when I was a student at Kiel, and uh, we went on a trip. I played football, and we went on a trip to Oxford. And I don't know how many people in the room know of a gentleman. He's fairly famous in the city, um, certainly famous around Kiel. His name is Neil Baldwin. Um, Nello, there was a film made about him, uh, BBC, and he was the sort of the manager of the team. And I went along, and we kind of got our rooms together. And me and this other guy, we realized we got the last straw. We were going to room with Neil, which is great. But I was, you know... I was thinking, you know, what's the situation going to be like? Can I really enjoy the hotel like I normally would enjoy it? So I walked into this. If anyone's unsure who he is, he's sort of, let's just predict he's around about the age of 70. Lovely guy. He's an absolute legend, um, certainly around Stoke City and around Kiel. Um, and he's a, quite a figurehead. Uh, anyone that's had a movie made up about them, you know, we're talking a big deal here. This is my only claim to fame, so please just roll with me on this. I was rooming with ne- Nello, Neil Baldwin. There was two of us. We got in the room, survey the beds. You've got a double bed over here. You've got a fold-out camp bed over here. So my friend, who was, because who, he's not the kind of person who like just looks at all the, the, the fixtures and fittings before they you know, assess the bed. I was like coming in going, wow, hotel room, wow. Wow, there's the coffee. Ooh, nice flat screen TV. I was faffing about. He claimed the bed which left only one bed for me and Neil Baldwin. Why do hotels do this to people? So I was about to share a double bed with Neil Baldwin. You, the story ends. I ended up sleep, sleeping on the floor. I couldn't defile the legend that is Neil Baldwin. I ended up sleeping on the floor. But hotels are my refuge. This Christmas, go to God. If you do anything this year in response to mighty God, just go to him and find refuge in him. He is the mighty God. He'll meet your needs. He'll change you. He'll help you. He will heal you. And God wants you to have joy this Christmas and not despair. God wants you to find rest in him. So three responses, reverence and respect, repentance, reform. And finally, refuge and rejoice. And at this moment, I'm going to invite the band to come. And they're going to, we're going to sing a song about this king. But before we do it, I thought what better way in response is to read a psalm to you. I'm actually going to read a full psalm. Um, and I'm going to hope that this, you can digest this, that this sinks into your spirit this Christmas. This is the mighty God whom we are here today to celebrate. And I hope that this will inspire you to praise, inspire you to worship. Shall we get to our feet? That's, and the message is almost over. You survived. But I want to read a scripture. I'm going to read the full scripture, but not from the authorized King James Version. I'm reading it today from the NLT. It is Psalm 91. Here we go. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow 
of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Allow this to speak to you. Let this sink in your spirit. These are more than words. These are coming from the the voice and the heart of the mighty God of heaven. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, guess what? These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. This Christmas, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. This is the mighty God.